Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of my Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. Definitely want to shout out all you guys, whether you're a new listener or whether you've been a listener since day one. Appreciate every single one of you. Just a reminder, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. Would really appreciate it if you guys could leave a review, rating, share us with your friends, give us a follow, give us a like. Do whatever you can to help spread the word of this podcast because it's just me out here trying to do the best I can to produce a podcast and get out quality content on a weekly basis. Now, before we get into this week's show, do want to shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can check more of his work at, at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Also, shout out to Vince Correa. He designed the logo that you're seeing in your phone, the new My Mike and I logo. Really love his stuff. Again, big shout out to Vince. Thanks again. On some of the previous episodes of My Mike and I, just to recap some of the most recent ones, we talked about the NBA Finals. RJ Saunders hopped on the most recent podcast. We went over the NBA Finals, especially a wild game six, the Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant injuries and how they impact the offseason, and a whole lot to discuss about basically everything NBA with my boy RJ Saunders. In the episode before that, I had an interview with Savannah Core. She was the Big Sky Conference Pitcher of the Year last year. She pitched at Sacramento State. We talk about her progression as a pitcher. We talk about the lack of softball, the lack of professional softball options for college softball players. In the episode before that, RJ hops on again. We do a little NBA Finals preview, but we also talk about the playoffs as a whole, some of the greatest moments for the playoffs. So that's definitely something you can still go check out. And in the episode before that, I had local Orange County hip-hop artist Wim, spelled W-I-I-M. We talk about his progression in his music career. We also talk about the difficulties faced, some of the biggest inspirations. So yeah, those are some of the most recent episodes of the podcast. Hope you guys go check them out. On this week's show, I am happy to announce Jacob Fanshawe makes his return to the podcast. He and I go way back to our Sacramento State days. He and I are both history junkies, so it's only right and it's only fitting that we both watched and are going to do a podcast episode over the HBO miniseries titled Chernobyl. Now, just to kind of give you a little background to Chernobyl, Chernobyl was a a nuclear accident that happened in 1986 in the Ukraine, which was part of the United, uh, which is part of the Soviet Union back in during the Cold War. And so it highlights that incident. It breaks down specifically what happened in a very short series. It's only five episodes, about an hour and 12 minutes, hour and 10 minutes each episode. But they go very in-depth. They hit you at situations that are held at the highest prestige, whether it's in the government, but they also kind of hit home in certain scenarios too, everyday firefighters, and they have different storylines for them too. So it's really well done series. Jacob and I really talk about in depth episode by episode. We go over our thoughts and opinions, compare it to other HBO series that we have previously watched. And it's truly an exciting podcast, especially if you're a history junkie. Definitely gotta throw out this alert or this warning. There is a ton of spoilers. We basically give you away the whole show. So if you do plan on watching the show, please hit pause. This podcast will always be there. Go watch the show and then come back to this podcast and feel free to listen. If you don't plan on watching the show, well, then that's your loss. But you can listen to the show or listen to the podcast if you so choose to. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy the latest podcast I have with Jacob Fanshawe discussing HBO's latest miniseries, Chernobyl. Thanks for hopping on the show, buddy. I'm really excited for this next one because we are both big history fans. We are both big fans of history type movies and TV shows and HBO's latest miniseries Chernobyl highlights a very 
very traumatizing incident that occurred way before our lifetime, but we get a very in-depth perception about it, and I know both of us enjoyed it a lot. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, first things first, thank you for having me on the show. No, it's, it's, it's been spectacular to see your podcast grow, to see your production get more refined. So I'm very excited to finally put out a good quality podcast with you. And secondly, yes, Chernobyl, I'd be willing to bet a lot of your younger viewers, maybe even some of your older viewers have, have never even heard of this because mm-hmm. A, well, as we're going to find out and discuss, there was a lot of controversy surrounding this incident. But B, it's kind of niche. You know, it's not U.S. history. It's not even, well, it is global history, but it's more so Ukrainian-Russian history. Mm-hmm. And when you really delve into the sacrifices that some of these people made, regular human beings, everyday citizens, physicists, scientists, even heads of state, it's quite amazing and a moving story. I went into this miniseries not really sure what to expect. I expected it, you know, high quality production because it's HBO. I expect nothing less, mm-hmm. but the storytelling was so riveting and heart-wrenching that I, I have to say, if you're in the mood for something quick, and it's quick, it's five episodes. Yeah. Each episode is an hour, maybe hour 30 minutes, so you got to... Uh, you may be investing some time, like six but, hours. But you're going to do that if you're going to watch a Netflix special. They're about 30 minutes to an hour now yeah, like, it's per like, episode. So. Pause the Grey's Anatomy. It's always going to be there. Let's exactly. watch some Chernobyl. <laughs> Friends isn't going anywhere. And, and, but beware, though. Going into this, it, it is a very sobering uh, subject matter, so I can understand why some people would want to stay away from it. But to stay away from it just because you don't know, I think that's, that's a poor decision. Jump into it, and you're, gonna, you're going to learn. You're going to be enlightened. And through yeah. that enlightenment process... It's very eye-opening. And from episode one, one twenty-three forty-five, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. the exact timestamp of when the nuclear core reactor blew up in Chernobyl, uh, it hit goes right off the bat. And for those of you who are unfamiliar of what Chernobyl even is, it's a nuclear plant in, if I'm not mistaken, Pripyat, Ukraine, yeah. which is Pripyat is a city, and there's a small nuclear, city. Yeah, very small city in comparison to uh, Moscow, and there is a giant nuclear reactor, nuclear factory reactor. Uh, there nuclear plant. City. Nuclear plant. Thank you very yeah. much. And uh, suffice to say, what uh, was, I know it was 1986, but the day of it, I think it was, what, October? So We'll pull that up, but I know the year was 1986. Essentially, they were going to run a standard protocol safety test, but uh, as Steinbeck said, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, and things went awry very fast, as episode one is apt to show you. I mean, I think the opening scene is of one of the firefighters who is featured in the show, Vasily, mm-hmm. Vasily uh, Ignantenko, and his wife, Ludmila. They're in their apartment, and as we said, Pripyat is a small city. This factory is quite huge. So everyone saw and heard the explosion. Oh, no, right. not everyone saw you the heard explosion, it. but you they heard, heard it. it. Yes. And because of the uh, radioactive properties and qualities within the core, remember as the... Yeah, there's like the, a light in the sky. Exactly, as the <laughs> particles were floating upwards while they were being iodized, by the air, uh, they made it to look like this, uh, what you call like a blue hue? Blue it almost looked hue. like a spotlight. I mean, almost, at night yes. it looked like a spotlight, yes, and in the yes. day you did see the blue hue. And it was truthfully breathtaking to behold, yeah. you know, to all these people in the city of Pripyat, which were well within the radiation zone. At the time, oh. they didn't know that, but, right. you know, they're watching this, this, this spectacle unfold between them, and... Yeah, I think I gave you guys more than a running start into it. How did you feel about watching it? We're going to go episode by episode here. Episode one... From the opening scene to the final scene, how did you feel? What what were kind of your reactions? I gotta admit, before I think maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, we were hanging out and we were like flipping through HBO looking for something to watch. I think you were gonna show me an episode of The Pacific, and I saw Chernobyl, and I really didn't know much about Chernobyl, the incident itself, other than I knew there was like a nuclear accident. But other than that, like I had no idea how it happened, where it was even. I knew it was oh I knew it was in Soviet Russia, the Soviet Union, but I had no idea like 
any details specifically. And episode one kind of just throws you all into that, and it's very informational, even to the title being the date or the time, ex exact time stamp of when the nuclear reactor exploded. And so just to see the, all the emotions, because it puts you right at home, you know there's a, a, a big dangerous accident. We even get to talk about the opening scene where it's uh, Valerie Legasov, the, the main scientist, the main, yeah, the main professor. The nuclear physicist that was put on to mm -hmm. help come up with a resolution. Right. It shows him kind of finishing up his recording tapes. He hides them away in a secret, uh, a secret little location, and then he hangs himself, right? So right away, they put you into kind of a heightened uh, a scene, and then they throw you kind of like at, more like an at-home scenario where, like you said, the Ignantenkos, they're both in their apartment late at night, and he gets called in to go you know, fight the fire that they believe is just a roof fire. Right. Isn't that so funny? Yeah. I love the conversation that goes between her because Ludmila's like, hey, man, like, you see they the never chemical? called yeah. you this late. Well, they don't know it's chemicals. They just go, look at that weird light. Like, when have you ever seen a roof fire that emits a, right. that kind of smoke and be a light like that? But, you know, Vasily, he, he's a firefighter of the state. You got to remember, right. everything in the Soviet Union is done for the state, by the state. Everything you do is for the betterment of the state rather than the individual. And that's a huge thing to take in a part of, to take account of into this whole series because we live here in the United States and so things are very differently, very capitalist, very free, and there's a lot of freedom in speech and you, you're basically allowed to do whatever the hell you want. Oftentimes it's the individual over the collective here in the U.S. Exactly, but you got to take into consideration, you know, the, U, the Union, Soviet Union was a lot different than that. They were a communist society and everything they did was for the state and there's other things and other scenes and other episodes you're like holy shit like they would do that but it's because they were all in it for the state well, they thought this would be the benefit the best thing for the state and sometimes they devalue the individual and they were put the state over the individual and sometimes there's like some not too great things that happen in the show i'd argue that the tone for the series was set either in the opening scene mm -hmm. where we see uh leg um Legislav. Legislav basically tell the truth of what happens. Well, no, granted, at the time, we don't understand what he's doing. Right. But episode one sets that precedent of this is how it ends. This is how the series ends. And we're going to work backwards to show you how we got there. Mm -hmm. I think that scene sets the tone. And the scene following the explosion, when Anatolov Dyatlov, which is the guy, the head engineer guy here at Chernobyl, um, he is in the war room, if you'd call it, with other head nuclear physicists at Chernobyl and alongside the state party member. Mm -hmm. Remember in that... There's a, there's a scene where they're all trying to figure out what's happening and what they're going to do now. Okay, because mm -hmm. whatever happens, say they don't believe the core exploded no. necessarily. Especially Dyatlov. No, they just think it's a fire or something. Something, something happened. They don't necessarily know what. And that statement, the elder statesman, like he's he's a old politician dude, stands up and he slams his walking cane on the floor and mm -hmm. he goes, listen, this is what we're going to do. You're going to cut the phone lines and stop the spread of misinformation. Mm -hmm. Nobody leaves in or out of the city of Pripyat. That is just That's, that scene gave me goosebumps because of how right. scary that is. Of granted, they didn't know what they were working with, but why would your first thought be to cut the spread of? They say misinformation, but they mean information in, in all in total. They don't want people knowing at all what happened because, as Legislav says, or Legislav uh, says er, later in the series. Um, a, the truth about the state the, the truth would put the state in the wrong mm -hmm. that would mean the state failed and the state does not fail in the Soviet Union right so that <laughs> sets right there for you viewers at home or listeners at home that tells you all you kind of need to understand about the Chernobyl incident mm -hmm. and the political ramifications of it it's not just an incident and we need to clean it up it's how do we keep up a good image that the USSR is in full control 
while clearly, scientifically and factually, they're not. Right. And episode one lays that perfectly. It's very scary. And you could even see it in the head en- engineer in Dyatlov. He keeps denying when all his workers and all the engineers working the night shift, they keep saying the nuclear reactor is gone, the nuclear core exploded. He has people, different people telling him that, and he's like, no, like, let's go check. You're wrong. And you're he's wrong. like, you're wrong. Like, you're wrong, you know? And then they even get the... Uh, the Piece meter. of graphite within the core. Oh my god. No, gosh. I was gonna say no, they get the they get the meter to go read the I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it's the meter the meter only reaches oh. to three point six Rotgen. <laughs> and so he's like, Oh, that's not great, that's not terrible, and he just runs with that. Yeah, and even they, one of the scientists goes, This is what we have that that's all we have. This like, is the max show. of this one, yeah. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's like, We have other ones that go that, much higher. But remember the whole oh god, the, the whole screwiness of the situation. Yeah, they have other ones, but that got blown up when the core blew up, so yeah. they can't get there because they'll die within ten minutes of being exposed to that meant that much particles of radiation. Right, right. And I felt so bad for the firefighters. Remember when the firefighters rolled mm-hmm. up? They roll them up to the mouth of this. Yes. Like, they're practically, like, there's a scene where Vasily, the firefighter, he's, like, sweating because of how hot it is because it's nuclear fission going yeah. on. Like, this is not just a common fire. They, we, we go on later to find out in episode two when Legasov is finally called and they put him on this case that, dude, this water did nothing. It was evaporating the moment it got to the fire. The water did nothing. And literally, you might as, you, you would have been good as to piss and spit water out of your <laughs> mouth onto the fire. Right, right, right. They didn't understand that the water was eva- evaporating upon touch. Mm-hmm. And a few of these firefighters were picking up graphite. The graphite with their was, bare hands. Which was, well, yeah, super-duper um, radioactive. And they were getting, like, radioactive blisters and burns. But they didn't mm-hmm. understand or know any of this. They basically were sending men to die. Yeah, it was just a shame to see... How a group of a large amount of people where they're so naive, so stubborn in their ways, thinking, "Oh, we can't be wrong. This can't be this way." And even you mentioned the old statesman saying, "You know, we're not going to spread the misinformation." When, you know, they could have they could have prevented this from being as bad as it was, especially like the total death toll. I mean, that's something in the last episode they do. The Soviet Union and Russia still only has a death toll at thirty-one. One estimate it it's over four thousand, and as much it could be as much to ninety-three thousand people died because of this incident. There could have been better preventative me- measures to be taken place, even not in the factory itself, but also like evacuating the people as soon as possible. Oh, of course. And they just did so many things wrong in that first episode, where you're just like, like fuck, this is like this. This is why this became such a yeah, like, this is huge bad. catastrophe. This is really, really bad. Because of people's ignorance and naiveness, it was just it was ah, it was it was truly an eye-opening episode. Touting the party line in episode two, please remain calm. Things get worse. The, the episode. You feel the exact way of what the episode is trying to tell you because as the fire continues to burn, other nuclear physicists from surrounding areas are starting mm-hmm. to get radioactive readings because now, what, it's been 48 hours unchecked of just radiate radiation particles going into this environment, spreading across the content. Right. You know, winds blowing it, oceans taking I mean, just... Just think of dropping a bottle of water in the grass and how the water sneaks through everything. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that just with the radiation particles. Times that by 10,000 and you can't see those. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Very scary. And no, as Dyatlov said, it is not the equivalent to a chest x-ray. <laughs> no. No, it is. No. The, in fact, the closer you were to the core, I think the life expectancy was, what, 15 to 20 minutes? Of yeah. what you could handle before you drop dead? Right. Like, where you're standing? Conceptualize that. I forgot what the total amount of rotgen they they had calculated when they got near to the reactor, as close as they could, right? But it was something, it was twice the amount of radiation from the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Yeah, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. That is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of 
radiation yeah, but times that was two nuclear bombs dropped in that exact area. Yeah, and that's spreading all across. And I think in episode two is the first time where I think something in something came in Sweden that was radioactive. Yes. And they were wondering why, because the winds did carry that radioactiveness. And then even in the opening opening scene, I believe it's the uh, character um, drawing a blank on her name right now. We wrote it down. Yeah. Ulana Komyak. Oh, She's Ulana the collection Komyak. of all the scientists yeah, yeah, yeah. that helped Legasov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's an episode two where even her, I think 300 kilometers away, she's in a, a, a lab and you know they open the window and soon as they open the window, a radiation alarm goes off and they do the test from the you know, quantum swab that she gets from the mirror. And even then you're able to see like the kind of impact and how quickly it spread. And just like you said, those 48 hours itself. So huge mishandling of the situation, which I think the series that the producers produce, um, they portray that very well. Well, you know, it's funny. Episode 2 is finally we, we begin to see kind of a plan, like a plan of action, because Le, uh, Legasov is one of the head nuclear physicists that uh, it's actually brought in. And it goes down the line. So Gorbachev is the premier. i just give you the historical back context of this. Gorbachev is the premier right now of the USSR mm-hmm. in the time of 1986. So Gorbachev has... Boris Sherbina, which is the state man, head of state man, he appoints him to basically sort everything out. And basically, he knows that Sherbina doesn't know anything about nuclear reactors. Mm-hmm. There's a few good scenes about yeah. that one. But it's more so, you're now the head guy of this, fix the mess, find other people that can fix this mess for you kind of thing. Passing mm-hmm. the buck almost. A lot of that happened in the USSR. So much passing the buck. Nobody took responsibility. And when they did, it was usually to sell out their comrades, right. their arms. Uh, so Sherbina gets this guy by the name of... Uh, Legasov, Valery Legasov, and he's a nuclear physicist from Minsk, like a very high-end, state-funded, obviously, program, but he knows his shit. Mm-hmm. They bring him in, and when Legasov gets the early reports that it's the equivalent to an x-ray, he's like, he's torn because he goes, on one hand, as a physicist, I understand the severity of the situation and understand that the statesmen do not. On the other hand, I realize I can be dead. I can be shot and killed and dead and deemed a traitor because right. I'm not agreeing with the state. Mm-hmm. Well, he does, and that's something he battles throughout the series. Yes, and that so... is a great moralistic mm-hmm. battle, which I love the way the producers put it. And and he fails too. He, he yeah. succeeds at the very end, but he fails before that, which is important. Failures are what help make this character who he is, and shows how morally flawed he was. Because I don't think necessarily any of these people were bad. Dyatlov might might uh, no, not might have. He was bad yeah. among his cronies were, but Shurbina wasn't bad. Komayuk most certainly wasn't bad, and Legasov wasn't bad. They were just morally at a crossroads of. The state will kill me if I go against what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is the state does not have control over this situation. Right. Or over the Chernobyl explosion. Mm-hmm. So Legasov finally convinces them, after enough scientific evidence, to essentially what they need to do to quell the fire. Because the water's not working and airdrops aren't working. They need to drop boron, which I guess is, has some radioactivity with all the nuclear atoms that are going around in the core that's exploded now. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Boron is going to quell the fire. But it's not going to stop it entirely. Remember, right, it could create lava. I think they talk about that in episode lava, three. Yes, yes, that basically is going to melt down through their reactor's remaining core mm-hmm. into the groundwater, which then poisons the entire content of Russia. Yeah. So it quickly becomes okay. We quelled the fire. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do we quell this magma? Uh-huh. And on top of quelling the magma, how do we begin contamination zones, pulling people out? I mean. This is all in episode two. You understand the logistics of such a large thing. Mm-hmm. Do I think that Shervina and the state did their best? No. But do I understand the hardships that come with this? That's like asking the president of the United States to evacuate all 50 states. Mm-hmm. That logistically is such a nightmare. Where do you yeah. begin? How do you begin? What areas do you mark for safety? You know. So I felt for the Russians a little bit. I didn't feel for their incompeten- incompetency and gross cronyism because a lot of it was just 
favoritism, like, okay, you do this as I ask, you're going to get a higher appointment from right. Moscow. Mm-hmm. But the logistics side of it, I can understand why they were kind of like, wow, A, we underestimated the severity of this situation, but B, how do we, where do we begin? Who do we talk to? What, you know, what are the first steps to making this right? And yeah. that's where guys, or that's where people like Legasov and Komiyuk, who um, are nuclear physicists and representative of the scientific community all throughout Europe, mainly Moscow, mm-hmm. that's where they become such important rules or roles because they help guys like Shurabina who are just state guys. They, right. they, they do, as Moscow says, they don't understand nuclear reactors. They don't understand the science behind it. Mm-hmm. So I think the show did a spectacular job at showcasing all of these things all at once going on around, but undervaluing or undershowing, showing the underlying cause that, you know, you can't, Sherabina was not the end-all be-all. He didn't know what was going on. You needed people that understood what was going on, and you couldn't fight that. Factually, that's why Legislav, he, he, he stands up so many times, and, and he puts his foot down because sometimes he would be like, yeah, man, these the Rotchen that's being thrown Report, out. Like, yeah. The city of Pripyat should have already been evacuated, and they're like, shut your mouth. You know yeah. nothing of what you're talking about. And, and that's, like, that's what I do like about the back and forth because you do see in that beginning scene where Sherbina first does meet Legislav, it's kind of like, well, explain to me what a nuclear reactor does, and and Legasov's like, what? Like, yeah, okay, that's, that's that's something that could take hours, and he's like, no, just like explain it to me. Like, they're on the helicopter on right. the way to Chernobyl. They're the helicopter, and then even so, like Sherbina's like fly over the nuclear reactor, and like you know, Legasov's like, we'll be dead in like you know two days. Like, don't do that. And and you see that back and forth, and it's a lot of conflict in the beginning, but towards the end of the series, you do see a lot of them. Sherbina gets. Basically, because the like the, you just said, the state's not going to listen to Legasov, right? They roll their eyes at him and whatever he says. But it's Sherbina who backs him up because he understands now what the nuclear reactor is, and he says, "Okay, we need more men, or we need the sand." And he's able to get these things. Yeah. He's able to pull some strings. You know, that is so their relationship is super important, and the way it grows is is truly great because they were starting like you know they butted heads at first and like fuck this guy, you know. I'm sure Sherbina was thinking. I'm sure Legasov was thinking like, "What does this imbecile know about nuclear reactors?" It's just so. I love how you pointed that out. I really yeah. want to highlight that. I know that that's, it's really showcased in episode three and four further on, but that is something until the very end of episode five that I didn't realize. And even Sherbina has to say it. He goes, hey, don't act like it's just your ass on the line here. Do you mm-hmm. know how many strings, how many you know asses I had to kiss to get all... Basically, and it's something I never really... And every time Legasov or Komiyuk said, this is what we need, they got it. Yeah. There may have been um, pushback from the USSR itself, but never from... Um, I'm drawing a blank on Boris. Yeah, yeah Boris Sherbina. Yeah, Sherbina. Sorry, I drew a blank on Sherbina. <laughs> Never from Sherbina. And I think to myself, that's such an interesting and complex relationship. Imagine, put yourself in Sherbina's shoes of you're supposed to follow unflinchingly and unquestioningly the rules from the USSR, the head, the head of the state, and yet you have two people going directly against in compliance. Mm-hmm. I thought that's just such a... To, to get that on film, like to get that on screen, and to get to make it easily understood for the viewer. Mm-hmm. Very powerful, very powerful stuff, and very hard to balance. And episode three shows that, I think, in a perfect mm-hmm. in a perfect sense. Open wide, oh earth, that was a very uh, trigger warning, I guess I want to say, for you folks that are a little bit squeamish and have weak stomachs, that episode is going to tear your soul out a little bit. So. Yeah, because you get to see firsthand, or you get to see in the series, at least, they portray the people who are facing the radiation sickness, and that's something that we have talked, we haven't talked about as much because they do do a really good job of showing the state side of aspect and how the government try to handle these things. But they do kind of make it closer to home where they do have Ignatekos, right? The wife is looking for a firefighter husband who's in the hospital in Pripyat, but then gets transferred over to Moscow and she follows him and she's really, you know, concerned. It's a wife concerned about her husband and she's pregnant 
And so it goes through that whole storyline, and she's able to see what the other firefighters are going through, and then she sees her husband slowly transforming. And then you jump to episode three, and you see more of the radiation sickness, but you also see more at homes and the aspect of the miners, right? The miners are first introduced, and they have to get underground. Basically, uh, that's they're digging a ground uh, underground tunnel to get to the water pumps, correct? Underneath the re yes, reactor. Yes, to save, to save the water. I think it's essentially they're trying to turn off mm -hmm. the water pumps so that they can save the reactor. So to, to stop the secondary explosion, that would be essentially... Um, catastrophic. More cat catastrophic yes, than catastrophic. the reactor. Yes, catastrophic can you imagine? to the continent of yeah. Russia. A fatal right. to the continent of Russia. Of Russia not mm -hmm. Russia. And these miners, too, that's another thing you have to talk about. These miners are everyday hard work, blue collar I mean they're miners okay you gotta yeah. understand mining is not a job that you go into with your freshly pressed it's the dirtiest of the shirt. dirtiest yes man they were I mean but they were very important at mm -hmm. least to the Russian economy and the yeah. the the fuel for the continent <laughs> and these miners had super big leverage that's why when the minister of coal goes and speaks to them and he's like hey we need men he's like um okay for what yeah and you're not gonna tell us what to do we're gonna decide if we want to do it and he basically said, the Soviet Union needs you, and here's why, yada, yada, yada. And I think one of the most, the suckiest scene, though, is as the miners are digging, you know, they're digging under lava magma. It's getting so hot down there, they, they strip down in their clothes. Okay? Yeah. They're naked. Like, they're <laughs> doing funny, that as yeah. their forefathers. But the saddest scene is when Sherbina and Legoslav come to see, and they're all naked, and they're like, whoa, what's going on? They're like, yeah, you guys didn't give us fans, so mm -hmm. we're working naked. He asked the, the, head, the, the head foreman of the coal, of the miners, he goes, well, what's going to happen to these men afterwards? Are they going to be looked after? And Sherbina goes, I don't I can't know. He said, I can't guarantee that, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just like, that's so sad, you know? Yeah. But that goes just, again, speak on the overlying, the, un the tone, not the, the underlying tone or the underlying theme of the series is about sacrifice, yeah. self-sacrifice. So many people sacrifice without question, without knowing why. The firefighters, the nurses, the, the emergency response teams that went into these highly radiated areas to clear these areas of pets and remaining people they did this stuff because the Soviet Union told them to. Right, and I guess you could say that sense of nationalism is heightened in the sense of or in a communist state, right? Because the collective is more important than the individual. So, like the miners, you know, even being after being told that he said, you know, I don't know if I can look after these miners after you know they're done working, he still goes back to work and he doesn't, you know, argue it. He they just did the job. They completed right. their job. They he saved the, the water job. tanks. Yeah, they worked all around the clock too. All that too. for not even no guarantees. And I think after the end of the show, we find out that majority of those miners did indeed pass away and mm -hmm. die. Has shortened lives, yeah, yes. by I mean, forty. Just, like just, I don't know. I know I'm not gonna give up the. Or I'm not gonna bring up the you know comparison between oh the Russians and Americans and nationalism. Well, mm -hmm. I, I just again that's an important theme of. I, I love this miniseries and I love how they did it because Chernobyl is but the backdrop. Right. Chernobyl is just, hey, here's this catastrophe, but we're going to tell you about the human sides of it, like the stories to it. And that's something that, you know, we don't think about that often. Mm -hmm. When I thought of Chernobyl, I most certainly didn't think about the scientists who may have died because they were right there when it exploded. Right. Or and the, the scientists that, that. The scientists who believed that what they were doing was wrong. I mean, I think that was a great part of episode oh, five. God, I know we're kind of skipping it. Yeah, well. because they kind of go after, you know, progressing through the storyline. They do go back to kind of before that first episode because they don't show you the nuclear reactor exploding in the first episode. They do show it in the fifth and the events that led up to it. But you can see the conflict at heart. You know, you can relate to the individual because sometimes, you know, there's times at work where you don't want to do something, but your boss tells you to. And that's kind of what had happened there and it's just like holy shit you know well, on a whole greater level yes obviously yeah wait like a thousand times greater but you know what i mean even to a, a regular person can kind of relate to that at a very 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 been 
basic aspect, you know? Episode 4 is my personal favorite, The yes. Happiness of All Mankind, and I think it's just a juxtaposition, an ironic juxtaposition uh-huh. between the entirety of the episode of, you know, at this point, the Soviet Union, they're kind of, they're running out of resources. Now they've had to pull back the veil. They know that the global world knows now. There's mm-hmm. been satellite shots from yes. U.S. satellites that have shown the Chernobyl incident from space, yep. and the USSR can no longer contain <laughs> right. the spread of the misinformation, so now they've had to kind of eat crow a little bit and go and ask for help from Western uh, Germany Western, yeah. Yeah, Western Germany and from France and they don't ask the US but had it gone <laughs> on they probably would have had to ask yeah. their friends uh, the US but and what was really powerful about that opening series because it does kind of give you that undertone of how the episode is going to play out for episode 4 is that opening scene right it's the evacuation process because then at episode 3 you kind of see it in episode four, it sounds with this young soldier, and he's trying to tell this young, um, this older grandma-looking lady, she's milking her cow, and she's just going about her business. And he said, "Hey, we gotta leave. We gotta leave." And she's just kind of like, you know, I withstood the Russian Revolution, and so and so's men came in here and tried to kick me out, but I stayed. Stalin's men came in here and tried to kick me out, and I stayed. And you know, now you're here trying to kick me out. Like, no, I stay. And and he, she was really stubborn in it. And she, you know, he grabbed the milk bucket, tried to toss it out, and said, "No, we're going." And she was still re- very he reluctant. With her a lot. Basically, he, he, yeah, he tried to plead with her a lot, and he ends up pulling out the gun, and, and that kind of aspect, you're like, holy shit, he's gonna have to kill her. But he ends up shooting the cow, which is still equally as kind of sad. But it's it shows you that that kind of heightened sense again, doing stuff for the state sometimes that you don't necessarily want to do, and you're putting tough decisions, and that foreshadows what um, I believe his name is Pavel, the young 18 year old who joins the you know who's basically thrown into the army. And he has to go like join. Weird, it's like a weird reserve. Yeah, it's I a weird reserve. Say the army, but True. They, remember, they, they joke about it. When he walks first into the tent, they're like, this is what they're sending us now? They don't yeah. have enough men because, A, men were dying too quick. Like, I'm thinking, my thought process behind that is too many men were being sick from the radiation, so they had to throw in regular civilians. I mean, right. they, had, they held a, what was it, like a conference in a high school gymnasium. And they're yeah. like, hey, we'll give you 700 rupees yep. if you guys come and sign up and you're going to do some very dangerous work. And especially, yes. how about those divers? My lord. Oh, gosh. They, we didn't talk about that in episode three. Well, that was... Episode three or four. I believe that was episode three, yeah, because yeah, in episode they had to two, shut it down ends. the valves to get the water to stop running. And those, we were talking about it before that we started recording the, the Rajan meters. Oh, oh, my God. The way it just started ticking, 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 and higher. And then, because that's how, see, that's how episode two ends, and episode three kind of. Um, goes back to that and show that they're able to you know turn on the water pumps but it just it gives you that heightened sense of like it almost felt like you're in a horror movie or you're in a, like a really bad maze that you just can't get out of you're like fuck 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 it, it, it i um my muscles were very tense watching yeah. that episode especially the beginning of the episode and you guys got to understand like those those meters they're not quiet like they're the detect radiation they, they're supposed to let you know when there's radiation it's a very loud ticking sound it almost sounds like it's in my opinion, it's what you would think erosion would sound like. Mm-hmm. The the word erosion, like something eroding, that's what. Yeah. It's like just being eaten away, and the moment they open the door and they're they're whisked into the the facility, it yeah. just goes off the charts. Yeah. The remainder of their time in there. And you think it couldn't get any faster, and it does oh, as soon as it yes, gets closer yes. to and the, the pipes. The worst part is the radiation begins killing the batteries in the the. Yeah. The, the, could you imagine a hand pump or hand operated uh, flashlight? Oh my god, that's <laughs> like the stuff of nightmares, man. This poor guy is whirling it up or. Whirling it up as fast as he can, and then they've got maybe I'd say three minutes of light per whirl. Like yeah. that's terrible. They gotta find what they're looking for three minutes a piece, like in the dark, water up to about their chest. They have breathing apparatuses, like they were prepared to go underwater. Like it just seemed like such a a first off a heroic thing to do, mm-hmm. two a terrifying thing to go through. But it was important. The state needed it, and mm-hmm. they did it. Yeah. And 
going back to episode four now, the state needed them to do it. They died as a result of it. I think those divers, alongside a few others, were the first five to die. They buried them in cement. Remember they cemented yeah. their, their coffins, I believe, on the roof where the explosion happened or near or something like that? Yeah, it was in the dirt where the explosion happened, but yeah. Yeah, the... um, but episode four is they basically, now they have kind of a, they've evacuated some cities now, now they have contamination zones, specifically where mm-hmm. they're doing airdrops of, I, I don't even know, maybe chemicals that are desensitized to... Mm-hmm. To limit the radiation yeah. and the, the, the protons case, though, and all the science. They're basically killing all the wildlife. Yes. they have to because the wildlife is infected. Yes. And they have these death squads, for lack of a better name, go into these abandoned cities and kill the remaining pets. Yeah. Now, it sounds morbid, and it kind of is. The way, sad especially scene, yeah. the way the, the general talks about it, Tarkanov, he goes, yeah, man, they're pets. Like, they're happy to see you. In fact, they run up to you and then, bam, shoot them. Yeah. And <laughs> you kind of don't get it until they pull up to this little nameless village. Mm-hmm. And your kid's name was Pavel. Pavel. Yeah. You know, they get out, he gives them a rifle, loads it in. He goes, okay, do you know how to shoot? And he goes, yep. And he goes, all right. These pets, after you start shooting a few times, mm-hmm. they're going to go inside to the houses. We need to go house by house. Mm-hmm. You shoot once, like, no hesitation. Yeah, and, and he I'm, said, don't let him suffer, too. You could see, I think after he kills the first dog, that he ends up shooting that. He kind of gets so starstruck that he actually shot the dog that he does oh, yes. well, let him suffer for a little I bit. Mean, <laughs> I'll pose it to you this. I'll ask you this. Have you ever shot a gun? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. A pistol, yeah. Okay, right. Okay, so you just know the feeling. It's an awesome feeling of shooting something. Because yeah. Because you realize, you know, when you drive a car, you can kill someone, but it's a lot different to a gun. A gun is specifically made to kill. Okay? Yeah. Cars aren't. So I use that because first time shooting a gun, it's like this is an awesome power. It's not. Yeah. A, it's not a power feeling where I was like, yeah, it was. It was more of like when I'm holding my hands. Yes. Can kill someone, and I'm shooting a 22 caliber. My first ever was 20. It's about this big, and the bullets would ping and ricochet. You know, they're they're not high caliber bullets. So these kid, this kid, he's using a rifle. You know, a pretty high caliber rifle. And he shoots the dog. I think somewhere in the abdomen, maybe near the front right leg. Mm-hmm. And the dog obviously does not die initially. So. I can only imagine the power to take someone's life, the power to take something's life away, to take a yes. breath away. I don't know. I just, I think they conveyed that well too. And there's even a conversation afterwards, right. which hence the title of the, the happiness of all mankind. They're sitting next to a dilapidated, <laughs> rundown factory. And the guy, the, the, the general Tar- Tarkanov, he's talking about, you know, I was in Afghanistan and yeah, Kazakhstan fighting. And next thing you know, there was a dude in the doorway. I squeezed the trigger, and he was dead. Mm-hmm. And he goes, your reaction is no different from mine. I felt bad the rest of the day, but it was better him than me. And he goes, mm-hmm. these dogs, you need to, you just need to do your job. You need to just kill them. And he, he gets pretty good at it. Like The kid can eventually, he starts doing his job, mm-hmm. and he starts killing these dogs. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not a fun job. And even then, once he gets kind of comfortable, there is like an uncomfortable scene that kind of leads up to it where he walks into the apartment building, and he finds the... The, the, like a mother dog with like four or five puppies running around a little litter in the corner of a room and that's where you know general tarkanov he kind of takes over and he's like hey step outside yeah like he knows that's gonna be really he, rough he's not crying but you could basically see it in him and that's when he takes you know i think he's i believe he's drinking His vodka first time yeah the yeah. shots of the vodka that's yeah so he, and i remember he just starts drinking and he can hear the shots and he's like like i said you don't see him cry but you can feel it like he's about to or he wants to well, but the emotionally yeah. and soul oh, of course puppies, man. Yeah. look i might not be one of those people where the moment a dog gets hurt in a television show or a movie, I'm like, oh my god! But mm-hmm. puppies, that's, that's <laughs> that, that that'd be the equivalent to kind of baby, I right? Mean, you know, there, there's a scene. Shout out to another HBO miniseries, The Pacific. There's mm-hmm. a few crazy scenes with the baby involved. I'm not gonna spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it, but yes. stuff like that. It's very, it's such a, it's such an innocent thing in such a vile, corrupt uh, environment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it makes it rougher. You know, there. They are essentially a death squad killing these wild animals. And even so, the scenes afterward, the truck 
but the, yeah. the bed of the truck is just full of these dead animals, and right. they're just dumping globs of them and the smears of blood on it. Like that's just great shots, great yeah, shots, great shots, just, important man, shots. Like, you know, you gotta understand, like that's gotta be a little rough for people to do that, you know. And mm-hmm. but Tarkanov, he likes he likens it to like this is just our work. We get up, we kill these animals, we go home. And that's mm-hmm. it. We're lucky, you know. He even tells him we're not in the thick of the radiation, you know. We're in the back end of it, so. Episode four. Yeah, it's really it's it's really gut wrenching. Some scenes. And three and four are just gut punches. Like you you're holding in for the rounds of the fight, and then they hit you with the kidney on the left and the right, and then you're <laughs> on your knees ready to cry. But episode five makes you feel a lot better. Uh-huh. And episode five is the only Russian titled self titled episode, and it's pronounced Vichnaya Panyet, mm-hmm. which um, through our research this morning and translations, Ukrainian for eternal peace. Right. Which is the equivalent to, I'd say, the U.S. of rest easy or rest in peace. Mm-hmm. There's no equivalent to that in the Ukrainian. Right. And episode five is now, all the cards are on the table. Legasov, Shabina, yeah. have now been summoned by the state, Moscow, to report their findings and explain how a M- MKB reactor core can explode because that's never happened before. Right, and before that, they actually do have the trials in Vienna. Remember, he gets... Because they do go back to the situation where there is radiation found in that bike in Sweden, right, in the in the yard. Oh, yes. Right, and so they find the radiation. They're like, you know, hey, and so that's when the... I think, I forget what it's called, but the international court takes Legasov as a representative from Russia to talk about what's happening over there, and he has to lie to them. And that's where he's at a contradiction because... Obviously, the the state of the Soviet Union wants him to lie in, in Vienna, and Komyuk is telling her, him Legasov to lie. Okay, fine, you could lie at the the international meeting, but in the state meeting, you have to tell him that you need to fix the rest of the RMBK reactors because they all have that flaw where they all have the graphite tips and the boron rods. So, Which, just side note: graphite and boron accelerates the nuclear reactor. Graphite process. does, not no, the boron. Graphite does. Yeah. And they have graphite tips. Yes. And those tips are what were not what accounted for. So when the power got extremely low, everything got increasingly volatile in the mm-hmm. core. Insert the... Uh, they try to insert the, the graphite, boron. Me. Yeah. yeah they basically try to insert the rods of boron to cool everything down and get everything at a normal level, but they didn't account for the graphite. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, though, we go on to find out Dyatlov... Or no, Legislav was a part of an earlier production. Remember, this book was in the USSR National Archive Library. Mm-hmm. She uh, Komiyuk goes to the library and she asks for a list of books. And I don't know if you noticed when she got yeah. that list back, they're it's all crossed out but one. Yeah. And that one book that she gets has like five pages removed. Two. Uh, or two pages yes. removed, excuse me, of the very thing that happens. Yes. It had happened before. They just didn't know. They just didn't know that um, it was the graphite tips. And of course, this becomes a bombshell. Komi, that's why Komiyuk proposes to Legislav like, this is greater than us. And she makes him understand of all yeah. the sacrifices that have been made. She goes, you're no different. You need to sacrifice yourself. She goes, don't worry about yourself anymore. Because Legislav is like, dude, I've already given up my life for this state. I've already put my life on the line. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm already going to die. He goes, why am I, why would I, why would I want a bullet to the back of the head? Yeah. And, and she's like, no, because you, because you, because you owe it. That's why. Because right. you're, because you're, this is greater than the state. That's why. And, I and love she that. talks about it too, from a scientist perspective too, right? Because at the, at the, at the, at the court holding in Moscow she said a lot of our peers are going to be there and so obviously it's different as a scientist you know in front of your peers you don't want to be lying right you don't want to, so there's that dignity aspect of it but then also one of the statesmen said hey like after you've done all, taken care of all this and you lie accordingly to this we're going to promote you to this you know the head of institute so and so right and the KGB will allow you to quietly fix the remaining right. KGB reactors which yes. is juicy as fuck but Kolyak yeah. goes again 
We're not about being fucking quiet. We yes. put, we've gone through so much. So many people have lost their lives. You need to blow this off the lid. Well, because she, and we didn't talk about it, but in episode three and well, four, the lid off of this. episode three and four, Kamiak does her best job to research exactly what happened. So they, she, she's able to lay out like play-by-play scenario and what exactly minute happened. They get so yeah. accurate as minute to minute. And that's what episode five becomes gut-wrenching, yet at the same time uplifting because... Because it flashes you back and it takes you... And it you, shows you yes. how Dyatlov and his friend... Uh, we couldn't get the name on his buddy. The, the gray-haired dude kind of looked like a... Mm. It's not Formini. That's the curly-haired one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll while, pull it up while in a Noah sec. pulls that up, Dyatlov, remember, he's the head engineer. So whatever he says goes on in this uh, factory or nuclear uh, plant. Mm-hmm. Well, Dyatlov knew the reason why he took the night shift and the reason why it, that safety test was only to be done at the night test was because Dyatlov knew there was a new shift coming in. Mm-hmm. And the new shift guys that were coming in had never, ever had experience nor practice with conducting a safety A lot of test. them didn't even know what was going on because yes. they do show it in episode they had never five. Done that. They had never done that. They're like, oh, the morning or afternoon shift was supposed to do this test. Like, here, you know, like... Yeah, and they're basically And now they're passing it on to us. That was the first time... Can you imagine conducting such a, a, a test of that magnitude and having no idea into before? That's like, it's insane. Like, I mean... That'd be like showing up to work one day and let's say you're a taxi driver and the, the first trip you get is you have to drive to New York or something like that. You know what I mean? It, and even that's a poor comparison, comparison, but that was the first thing I could think of. But that's just, that's absolutely absurd to continue to run that test with people who were that lack of awareness. They just weren't prepared. They yeah. didn't have the experience. And on top of that, to boot, to add salt into the wound, they were given 10 minutes to prepare. 10 minutes to prepare for something they had never seen before. They didn't even know it was possible. Mm-hmm. They didn't know you could short the core and then boost it with energy but granted they knew that it would be unstable and many a times did a few of the scientists try to speak out but Dyatlov grossly abused his power he said you know you'll be arrested I'll have you I'll have you killed I'll have you removed you'll lose your job whatever the case whatever whatever it took whatever coercion whatever intimidation Dyatlov used it or he needed to use he used and it resulted in this human catastrophe a, a, a shameful loss of lives lives really when you think about it and that's why the first part of episode five is so gut-wrenching the second part is uplifting because Legoslav is so we know the crossroads we know what he's facing and he gets finally called up and I love the camera the camera work of it mm-hmm. I'm not one to pick pick minor details on that but the camera work was point of view so as he got up the camera was following him and it just I loved how like there's no sound it's just him walking and breathing and he gets up and then he basically tells the story of what happened mm-hmm. and he tells the truth Yes. Tells the very truth that Dyatlov knew that the head, the, basically the state knew. Yes. And that the state cheaped out, and there's nine other reactor cores just like this. That 13, fit. I believe it was. So it was double digits. Yeah, a lot, basically. All scattered across the entire continent of yes. Europe. With these graphite, graphite tips. tips yeah. that would have, that this very same thing could occur again. Mm-hmm. And, well. Yeah, it, it looked bad on the state. Basically, even the judge says, hey, like, are you trying to go against the state? Because that's, you know, you're treading on... Uh, very thin waters right and he's like I've been treading on thread waters this whole time you know and so I thought that was part really cool I just I thought the whole presentation was really cool too because they had the little like the little um the little display they created of Chernobyl and they took turns right Sherbina went first then Kamyuk went second and she explained her part of it and then Legasov finally did the whole chemical aspect it was a dagger right it was a dagger saying you know and and you saw the red and blues right And, and and the red and blue contrast and how one balances each other, right? And then how slowly but surely all the blues are going away and you still had a lot of these reds yeah, and it was yes. just like, holy and fuck. folks, forgive us. Uh, there was a lot of scientific terminology. Yes, that, yeah, we, we're honest, not scientists. We even if we did do our research, we couldn't be able to effectively 
to explain it for you guys to understand it on a basis level the way the show did. So a spectacular tip, tip of the hat. But even to the even when he does explain it, I, I do really like how Legasov does explain it well, in that it down, final presentation because yes. he. Like even the, the simple as those shelf things are, like it was able to for the common man to understand. And you just knew that, like okay, one needs the other. Yes. And no, if they don't have it, that's yeah, a catastrophic. visual representation. He he showed perfectly. He gave a visual representation of the imbalance that happened within the core mm-hmm. for for us to understand how the core could reach such temperatures to become so unstable that not even the graphite coating and intercasing that the core is made of mm-hmm. could keep it, you know, from exploding. And um, yeah, I just. What a just spectacular miniseries. Yes. You know, I mean, all in all, Holy shit, yeah. all in all, I, I, I gotta say 9 out of 10, and I only say 9 out of 10 because I don't think anything is perfect. I don't think you could... True. I mean, Breaking Bad's damn near it. <laughs> yeah. Five, but yeah. I don't know of any show in the history of mankind, including my own favorites, Pacific and Band of Brothers, get 10 out of 10, but yeah. highly recommend, highly, highly recommend Chernobyl. It's just one of those, this is one of those miniseries that... It's worth getting HBO for. Oh, for sure. Sincerely. I'd give 10 out of 10 just because I'm a huge history junkie, and I know you are too, and HBO's done a really good job, whether it's the Pacific, Band of Brothers, John and now... Adams. Yeah, John Adams, and now even Chernobyl. These series where they highlight, you know, really serious uh, events in history, and Chernobyl being one of them. And I think it's cool, because we've talked about it before with the 30 for 30 documentaries that ESPN does. It's really cool, because we weren't alive in, during when the Chernobyl accident happened and i'm sure there's people who are alive here in the united states that were alive when it happened but still don't know very much about it but this kind of breaks it down for you in the most purest form to where even like a simpleton you have to you know none of us are nuclear physicists but you can get it even if you're just your average guy who didn't you know even finish high school you can kind of basically get what's going on and understand the lack of competence from the state head but also you can relate to it from the you know the very small players in the in the show from the firefighter to the firefighter's wife to the miners right to the soldiers right so there's i feel like it's very relatable and all at the same time it also shows you the lack of like the lack of balance between the uh the state and for them trying to keep their dignity them trying not to look bad and it caused them to this huge like international catastrophe and it's just like wow like what the fuck imagine being a person just an innocent standby or like you said in that bridge they talk about it in episode five because in episode at the end of episode one you see these people standing on the edge of a bridge and they later call it the bridge of death because all those they were getting these ashes that were landing on these people and it killed every single one of them and you you would have never thought that you just thought it was a basic fire and well you first thought, off why would you play in ashes that's kind of my that was my first yes. thought as I saw that scene yeah. why would you gallivant and prance around and, and make ashes, ash yeah. angels they thought it looked pretty I was like what no <laughs> it, it was just it was truly an eye-opening series. Uh, I, I just really loved it from beginning to end. Yes, gut punches all the way through. It's truly a 12-round fight when you're going to sit down and watch that. But I, I do, I, I guess on an end note, I want to give a lot of credit to the director and the writer, Craig mm-hmm. Mazin, and the director, uh, Johan Rennick. Mm-hmm. And just to touch upon, again, none of us are nuclear physicists. This is a very complex, what happened is not a normality. And no. His, in, or normality, excuse me. And they showcase that. In the history of nuclear uh Physicists or yeah, nuclear plants, nuclear history and whatnot, and using power cores. You know, this this was unprecedented. This mm-hmm. was a disaster unseen before. Yes. So for them to break it down minute by minute to figure out what happened, to be, even begin to pull the thread of well, this is how kind of what happened, mm-hmm. and for them to show that on the show in a way that for a layman, for anybody, myself included, you to understand, I, I just think that's where the real 
sort of the real magic lays in this is yeah. the, the power of the director and the writer and you just have to tip your cap to it I, yeah. I don't expect anything less from HBO which I don't know if that can be both a curse and a blessing looking <laughs> at you Game of Thrones Yeah. but I mean sincerely though folks if, if today's episode is only going to be about if today's episode is only simply going to be about Chernobyl then I think I've said all I've had to say on the matter yeah. and I felt if I talk about it more I'll just spoil it for you folks it's such a fantastic just ride and, and the best part is five episodes that's, yeah. that's if you really really like you know if you're really it's doable one a day I was about know? to say you know if you're really a busy person and your schedule doesn't permit for the binge watching one a day and yeah. trust me you will look forward to it because yes. I saw it as it was coming out so I had to wait every week Monday you guys are lucky suckers you guys can uh, stream it all one night if you wanted to that's five hours but you know the point is go and watch it Chernobyl fantastic episode that's all I've got to say on it thank you yeah. Noah very much for having me on the show of course man thanks for having on yeah Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of My Mike and I. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. If you haven't watched the series and you listened to the episode, go watch that episode. I mean, tell me that conversation made you want to watch the show even more. I mean, it's a truly compelling series. Um, there are five episodes. They're only about an hour and ten minutes long. You can pause your Netflix. You can pause your Hulu. You can pause. Friends in the Office are always going to be there, folks. Go watch HBO's miniseries of Chernobyl. And while you're there, definitely go check out more episodes of the My Mike and I podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. Please, 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 please leave us a rating and a review. Like, share us with your friends. Give us a follow. Give us a subscription. Um, just help us spread the word any way we can. I'd really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. I'm Noah Alvarez, signing off. Till next time.